Good evening and welcome to Matters of Life. I'm your host, John Lucier. I want to thank you for joining us and thank you, all you listeners and those that have chosen to stand for righteousness and to do justice. We thank you. On behalf of the Lord, we thank you. You know, his, his word is true, and it tells us this in John 3, beginning in verse 19. This is the judgment, that light has come into the world, and men love the darkness rather than the light, for their deeds were evil. For everyone who does evil hates the light, and does not come to the light for fear that the deeds, his deeds, will be exposed. But he who practices the truth comes to the light, <clears throat> excuse me, so that his deeds may be manifested as having been wrought in God. And he also tells us through the Apostle Paul in Galatians 6, that the one who has taught the word is to share all good things with the one who teaches him. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, this he will also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. So, as I was just looking over the week. There has been so many things, more things, that have become exposed. And whether it's classified documents and the handling of them, or mishandling, would be more accurate, uh, an accurate phrasing of that, the mishandling of classified documents, the complete lack of accountability as it pertains to who potentially had access to that material and information. And both state, non-state actors, foreign dignitaries, and even people that are U.S. citizens, but clearly have no need to have access or a need to know the material or information contained within those documents has come to light. And I was reminded of those things. Yes, laws were broken. Clearly, laws were broken. But I, I find it interesting that just, well, not too long back, this was the exact one of the methods used for the entrapment or attempted entrapment of another individual, a former president of the United States. And, and I was reminded of you know, a couple scriptures. They're both in the Psalms. One's Psalm 57, 6. And it says, They spread a net for my feet. My soul was despondent. They dug a pit before me, but they themselves have fallen in it. Selah. And then in Psalm 119, verse 85 says, the arrogant have dug pits for me in violation of your law. But again, the, the biggest part is that, and other scripture says this plainly, that the trap the enemy lays for the righteous, they themselves will fall in it. And we talked about that actually in the, I think the first episode on the show, when we were looking and examining the, the life of Mordecai and the keys to how he lived out his faith and his life before the Lord as a man of righteousness, and how the Lord responded to him, how the Lord honored him, and he took care of him. Now, as I bring all this up not to rejoice in it. It's a dark time. It's a, a stain, if you will, on so many things. But the Lord can 
and will renew what's happened. Justice, accountability has to happen, of course. Justice has to happen. But we have to understand what's at the core of it so we can learn and not make the same mistakes. I hope that makes sense to everybody. And not just, hey, don't do the illegal things. How do we get to a place where we know what to do? Right? As in, how can we not enter into the same trap? How can we not be tempted? You know, in in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 14, Jesus is spending the night in prayer. And it says... I'll begin in verse 36, says this, and he was saying, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. And he, speaking about Jesus, came around and found them sleeping and said to Peter, Simon, are you asleep? Could you not keep watch for one hour? Keep watching and praying that you may not come into temptation. The spirit is willing but the flesh is weak. Again, he went away and prayed, saying the same words. And again, he came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were heavy, and they did not know what to answer him. And he came the third time and said, Are you still sleeping and resting? It is enough. The hour has come. Behold, the Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of sinners. Get up and let us get going. Behold, the one who betrays me is at hand. Now, as I read this, there was a, a couple things that, point, that really jumped out at me. And one is <clears throat> prayer. The aspect of praying. Now, of course, we know in Galatians chapter 5, we, uh, and 6, excuse me, Galatians chapter 6, we have the armor of God. And... Excuse me. Let me back up a second. When we talk about not being tempted, prayer is our weapon. If it's Ephesians 6, that is the armor of God. But prayer is our weapon. And constantly throughout Ephesians 6, when it talks about the armor of God, we have these things, but it keeps reminding us to pray. And Jesus is teaching this same lesson to his disciples here in the garden moments before, or I'll say hours, before he is about to be betrayed and undergo essentially death and execution, but the redemption process for our sakes so that we can enter into salvation. And he gives us key in verse 38. He says, keep watching and praying that you may not come into temptation. Now, there are the scriptures that say um, in the Lord's Prayer about not pray that you, uh, how's how's the phrase exactly? And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And that's, it's really easy to go, okay, Lord, Make sure that I don't get tempted. But no, trials and temptations are going to come. But the Lord gave us the key here. It says, keep watching 
and praying that you may not come into temptation. Why is that a key, you ask? Marvelous question. See, it's, it's too late, if you will. It's not too late to pray. It's never too late to pray. But it is easier for us if we position ourselves before the temptation. And by position, I mean enter into the throne room of heaven through prayer. What is prayer? Prayer is simply the way we communicate with our Heavenly Father. The Lord said He would never leave us or forsake us. So it is literally, at its most basic explanation, a conversation with my Lord and my Savior. That is Father God, that is Jesus Christ, and Holy Spirit, the Godhead. And it's important because that's who fights my battles. That's my tall tower. That was my refuge, my shield, my buckler, and all of yours. So if you have put your faith, hope, and trust in him, he says, keep watching and praying. Watching and praying is key. So let's just put this in a, I'll say, very simple explanation here. The Lord desires, as always desired, fellowship with his people. He said he would never leave us or forsake us. So he is always with us. So with him being always with us, why would I stop talking to the Lord as I go about my day? And now that's a, a habit and a pattern that I have built up for my life, but you can also do the same thing, and I strongly encourage you to do so. Because if I'm just going about my day, having conversation with the Lord. I can ask him as we go, Lord, what's your thoughts on this? What are your ways concerning this course of action or that or the courses of the options and courses of action I have available to me? Because he has given us his Holy Spirit to lead us and guide us into all truth. He is going to reveal the things that are truth and the things that are deception. He's going to bind the spirit of deception because it will tell us to do it and to release the spirit of truth, to make way and allow opportunity for the Holy Spirit to work and move in and through the environment, the atmosphere, and our lives, and wherever we find ourselves, in spite of whatever darkness is there. And this, this absolutely matters because when you're in the midst of it, if you haven't built this up in your life, if you don't understand that you can enter in the throne room of heaven through prayer and should remain there, not a going in and out, but remaining in the presence of the Lord, that is the only way we can overcome temptation. Yes, he always gives us a way of escape, but if I remain in the presence of the Lord, do I need to escape or will the Lord just automatically defend me? Because I remain in Him, and you can remain in Him. You know, in, in James 4, we had this interesting conversation at the house on, on what's precious to the Lord. Well, I can tell you that you're precious to the Lord, but it came up in the, in the sense of, well, we as in the natural have 
many things that we find of value. And of course, money can be of value to some people, but you know there are precious stones, uh, precious stones and gems, and metals, you know, gold and silver and diamonds and rubies and sapphires and all these different precious stones and metals that we say are of value. But if you study the word out, you'll find that, wait, the streets of heaven are paved with gold. So while we put such importance on it, that's a common thing to the Lord. That's the pavement that everyone walks on in heaven, if you will. But in that question, there was two things that really jumped out at me. One I was reminded of in James. It says in verse, uh, James chapter 4, verse 5, it says this, Or do you think that the Scripture speaks to no purpose? He jealously desires the Spirit which He has made to dwell in us. But He gives grace to gives a greater grace. Therefore, it says, God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. And then I was reminded also of in Galatians chapter 5. Kind of over, uh, goes over two chapters. It's the end of chapter 5, beginning of verse 16, but also the first half of chapter 6. And this is what I believe is precious to the Lord. Yes, the spirit that he has put within us. But what he is really looking for in each of us is that, is, I'll say this, and that's the fruit of the spirit. Uh, beginning in uh, chapter 5, verse 22, it says, but the fruit of the the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. So, it's just my belief that that is what the Lord is looking for with each of us. Because then there is also faithfulness and faith. That means there is a trust, a belief, and a hope in the Lord to do what he said to do. And if we are walking in his spirit, then we will also exhibit the same nature, character, and attributes found in Christ. That is what he values in each of us. That's what he values. That's what he's looking for. A people like himself, exhibiting his character, nature, and attributes in our lives. Which is exactly what he taught about in Matthew 5-7. through when we look at the Sermon on the Mount, or otherwise known as the Beatitudes, he exhibited all those things. 
those characteristics, those traits. And we should too. We should likewise. But we can't do it of our own flesh. There is plenty of scripture, especially in the Old Testament, that there is warnings and I'd say even judgment pronounced from the Lord to kings, to shepherds, to to those that should know better, that purposely went against the law. Yes, the law of, laws of God, but also the laws that were set up in the land that were meant to point people to the Lord. They violated those. Others replaced them. They changed them in order to teach the people evil and wickedness. And it had dire consequences for the nation. That the nation of Israel was constantly turning back, had to turn back, had to repent and turn back to the Lord for all it had done. And the Lord was faithful, willing, and able to restore them when they were truly repentant, when it was more than just mere lip service, but their heart was actually toward the Lord. And all of that can be avoided by just remaining in his presence, by keeping watch and bringing everything before the Lord. It's how those that are in leadership or just coming into leadership can remain without spot, wrinkle, or blemish before the Lord. And by leadership, I mean, yes, those in our city, state, and federal governments. I mean, those that are in the house of the Lord as leadership, and those that are now that the Lord is honoring and moving up into positions of leadership in the house of the Lord. And wherever you are at, because it begins first in the home. What are we in our own house teaching our children? Is it the nature, character, and attributes of our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ? Or is it the ways of the world? There's an accountability that we must answer to for that. But again, if we're teaching them the ways of the flesh, well, Galatians again makes it very clear. That's Galatians 5. What the deeds of the flesh are and what is reaped as a result. And again, that begins in Galatians 5, verse 16. But we... walking in the, the Spirit of the Lord, being led by His Holy Spirit, are constantly implored to exhibit Him and His nature and His character, the fruit of the Spirit, because He leads us into all truth. He t literally takes from the Father and discloses it to us. And it's much better for all, but easier to teach someone the right way, 
than to go behind however many days, weeks, months, years, or decades later and teach them how to undo all the binds that they've got themselves tangled up in, all the ways that they have, well, I'll say put themselves into bondage as a result of sin in the sin nature. It begins first with us. As for me and my house, we have to serve the Lord. It begins first at home, and it extends out to the family, and then it extends out to the community, into the state, and ultimately the nation, your nation, and then the world. It begins with you and the choice and the standards that you will make and set for yourself. Are they of the Lord? Do they mirror him? Or is it now a matter of waiting for someone to repent? And if they don't repent, when sin reaches its fullness, it brings forth death. Which harvest are you waiting for? I encourage you to make things right with the Lord, to repent, to turn to him, and to teach your children to follow him and walk after him in his ways. Not just through the words that you speak and what you teach them, because they learn far greater, our children do. They learn far more in it's re- what we teach them is reinforced through our actions. So I want to encourage you with that and encourage you to remain watchful and keep praying just like we were taught through by our Lord and Savior. So I'd like to thank you for joining me tonight or this evening and encourage you to continue to stand for righteousness and to do justice. We love you. God bless you. Have a wonderful evening.